0: Hello, I'm Matt Cholley and this is Politics Without the Boring Bits. It's Wednesday, so it must be how much are we going to hear from Lindsay Hoyle today, day? It's PMQ's Unpacked. We pause the action live from the House of Commons. Rishi Sunak has got troubles of his own. Keir Starmer's got troubles of his own. Lindsay Hoyle has got troubles of his own. Who emerges from it best? Find out as Tim Shipman and I are joined by Ed Vasey off of Times Radio and the Red Benches of the House of Lords. Paul's the action from the House of Commons and Lava Spirit rounds up the best of the rest. Before that, the columnists Alice Thompson and Robert Crampton on where we should and shouldn't be protesting. And former Education Secretary Kenneth Baker joins us to discuss whether young people just need lessons in coping with life. And if you like what you hear on the podcast, join me for Politics Without the Boring Bits live on Times Radio. Listen for free on your DAB radio, on your smart speaker or download the Times Radio app. It's Politics Without the Boring Bits, weekdays from 10 But first, on Politics at the Boring Bits, we start with...
1: A major capital letters, big news story.
0: And GB News exclusively revealed that GB News presenter and reform leader Richard Tice held secret talks with GB News presenter and suspended Tory MP Lee Anderson. Yes, GB News understands that the pair met for in-person talks on a Sunday lunchtime at a Holiday Inn at Junction 28 of the M1 in Derbyshire right near South Normanton. Well, back in your box, GB News, we've got the exclusive. Times Radio has obtained exclusive recording of the conversation between Lee Anderson and Richard Tice held in the lobby of the Motorway Hotel.
2: Oh, quick tip. You know the uh, breakfast buffet? Eat as much as you like, but from an eight-inch plate. See that? Twelve
0: inches. And the news keeps coming. A major
1: Letters. big
0: news story. Yeah, big, big news. It's the battery factory. The battery factory is happening. Tata uh, has confirmed it is going to build its £4 billion battery factory in Somerset, just outside Bridgewood, about 20 minutes from where I grew up. It's all anyone is talking about. 4,000 jobs in the region. It's great news. Great news for Somerset. Somerset on the map. Well, it's obviously always been on the map. That's how maps work. Uh, but uh, great news, the battery factory, £4 billion on the battery factory down in Somerset.
3: Exciting.
0: I wonder how many times, the last time I said battery factory a lot, people got very cross, didn't they? So I won't do that. And finally,
1: a major capital letters, big news story.
0: Yeah, it all kicked off at the post office inquiry yesterday. MPs taking evidence from post office bosses. And the boss is being asked if they were running riot. This real sense they're untouchable and face no consequences. And at one point, Simon Rakaldin, the Remediation Matters Director at the Post Office, told the Committee of MPs uh, that, you no, know, he was, you know, he felt he was accountable. He was asked if he was
4: untouchable. I can echo that and I can tell you that I am challenged <coughs> regularly and I am very touchable. And I am very touchable. And And I am very
5: touchable.
4: I I can echo that, and I can tell you that I am challenged regularly. and I am very touchable. So am I.
6: Didn't seem too convinced, am I? And I am very touchable.
4: And I am very touchable. So and I am very touchable.
6: The columnists with Alibert, Alice Thompson, and Robert Crampton.
0: And they're both here, of course they are. Hello, Alice.
5: Hello.
0: Hello, Robert. Hello, Matt.
5: We're matching
0: a game. Yeah, I know you're both. Do you, do, do you have a, like, a WhatsApp group where you agree the colours? No, it's just. We just it... take it very seriously.
5: Last don't week we? it was
0: brown, week before it was maroon, <laughs> this week it's quite a few near we all black. It's just uh, telepathy, is it? Yeah, you've been working together for so long. Yes, like a sort of husband and wife magician couple. In very yeah. similar, yeah, yeah, touring the campsites. Yeah, yeah. He
5: cuts them in half sometimes. Although <laughs> I
1: think I'd be the loveliest. Assist- <laughs> you hate each other, but you love magic. I'd be the loveliest assistant, uh, Alice, <laughs> yes. Alice, Alice would be Paul Daniels. I think. <laughs>
5: I'd
0: like to see that. Either.
5: I can see
0: we that on the cover it. of uh, the Times
5: magazine. Yeah. We could start you your saw- show,
0: couldn't we? It. Yeah, you could. You could be could my warm-up. Saw- I think I'd be quite good being sawn in half, actually. Yeah, because people yeah. have asked me if I got uh, support. And I'm like, no, why would I share the... Yeah, it's a bit yeah. a- of a palaver. It is without splitting the money. Uh, yeah, so- well, we'll come on. You want a posse? you got two hours of me. A posse? Yeah, you, yeah, you could. You could have a- go fully on tour. Yeah. We've only got quite a small car, though, so we have not have much room <laughs> for props so your guillotine will have mm. to be yeah, collapsible. Yeah, knife throwing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can't have one of those big...
1: Spears. You know how they do that? Wheels. Fact, they, they punch the knives through the back. <gasps>
0: do they? Yeah. Are you are got to get thrown out of the magic, circle. Yeah. handle I think,
1: first. I saw a programme on it.
0: I think I saw
1: yeah. something on that once as well.
5: Yeah, I think we should
1: do it. Yeah. yeah. I don't
5: mind having a couple on my head. if
1: you can make it to Bristol, okay.
0: Bristol, 8 o'clock, Friday night, you're on. <laughs> this Friday?
1: Yeah, the tour starts this weekend. I think I might have a prior engagement. Right, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh,
0: Swindon, wait, do you want to come
1: to Swindon? Oh, I would Saturday? love it if, yeah. now that it's, now, 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 if it's Swindon, yeah. I think we need a love bit of a warm-up as well, yeah. don't you? We yeah. Yeah. might
5: have
1: to practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we do. Yeah.
0: Do you stretches. stretches? Yeah, yeah, Bristol, Bristol, Swindon, Salford this weekend.
1: Okay. It's exactly. happening.
0: Anyway, ticketsmatchorly.com. Right, let's <laughs> go and talk about the news. Uh, James yeah. Cleverly has told pro-Palestinian <laughs> demonstrators to stop their regular protests on Gaza because they've made their point... <laughs> Uh, the director of, uh, of uh, the Palestine Solidarity Campaign, Ben Jamal, spoke about this to Times Radio Breakfast.
1: I think James Cleverley's uh, comments are, are not surprising because they're uh, indicative of the attitude that he uh, and the government in general take towards protest. They don't really understand its role as an important part of the democratic protest. They regard it as a hind- hindrance, something that should should be suppressed. And that shows they really don't understand how change is brought.
2: Mm.
0: What do we make of this? Because there was part I of me know. that just thought the whole point of protest, I mean, aside from the <laughs> issue, yeah. the whole point of protest is to be annoying and change people's yeah, minds.
1: I agree 100% with Ben Jamal, I'm afraid. I don't agree with his cause. Uh, I've spoken uh, against it many times. Uh but he's completely right. The idea that you have a coming demonstration and then the Home Secretary says, well, thank you very much. You now, go about your business. It's absurd. We've heard you. Yeah. We've got to ignore you. And it's absurd. They should protest yeah. as much as they want. What do you think, Alice?
5: Yeah, I mean, I think with James Covey, he doesn't know quite what to say, does he? There's Mm. almost nothing he can talk about. He can't talk about no-go areas. He can't talk about what's happening in the Mm. Tory party. But he can, you know, he's trying to talk about the protesters and sound moderate. But on Mm. the other hand, you know, that's what they're allowed to do. And and I'm surprised mm. more protesters don't do it more often. They just don't keep going over and over again. My worry is that the police are getting so exhausted by it. So we don't really have much police presence on the streets anyway. So the fact that they're only now seem to be doing protests and looking Um. after MPs is really
1: worrying in some ways. One of the... Sorry, Matt, you were going to say?
0: No, I was just going to say, so the full quote from James Cleverly in the interview with the Times, uh, today, Matt Dathan's been travelling with James Cleverley. He's in uh, New York. He said, I think the organisers should recognise that they've made their point, they've made it loudly, and they're not adding to it by repeating themselves.
5: That sounds like a head teacher, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you're misbehaving. Yeah. There, like, yeah. Okay, you've the sixth form form you've, <laughs> done, you've
0: done your sit-in in the canteen, but we're not changing the uniform rules.
1: Yeah, it's also very complacent because, I mean, rightly or wrongly, people feel very strongly about this issue. Uh, so why shouldn't they? They can protest every day of the week if they want to. I mean, I, think, I suppose that the issue he's also making is about the police, the cost of the of policing them. And the, part of the, the demonstrations and, part, and the reason for that that they're so heavily policed is that they are, uh, whilst largely peaceful, potentially violent. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the, the the worry, that there is a... Uh, a threat to uh, property and 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 individuals. And they uh, can't
5: be intimidating. So I think if and, people feel very intimidated about coming into London and feel yeah. they can't go anywhere because they're... I think that is difficult. I think they have mm-hmm. to be as open as they possibly can. And I think you have to be careful with the placards and that's why you need... Mm-hmm the police there you do don't you the
1: i mean on the anti-anti-semitism march back yeah, in november yeah. that was very lightly police because nobody did, nobody thought that there was going We're to be any any trouble uh
0: when the remainers marched against brexit yeah. or whatever yeah. yes
1: so the palestinian solidarity campaign might want to reflect on that uh, but they can make their point in whatever way they want within yeah, yeah. the within the law and without intimidating their fellow citizens
0: because we had um somebody from just on this week because they'd put out a press release about why they're going to continue targeting MPs' houses. Mm. Which I, I personally think there are ways of going about doing it. You know, stand outside their office, stand outside Parliament. You know, there are ways of doing it without scaring MPs' children Mm -hmm.
5: I think even standing outside the offices actually is quite scary because you've had, you know, once an MP's been killed and they've now had two in surgeries, I think it's really intimidating for them and actually some Mm. of the surgeries, some of the best things that the MPs do are listening to their constituents. So Mm. if you're going to do it, I think you should be doing it in a different way I don't actually think. That you should have people standing outside MPs' offices and certainly not outside their houses because it is incredibly intimidating, and it's not as if you know that they are already on alert and nervous, and some of them wearing flak jackets.
0: Yeah, that's you know that goes. But there was sort of two things from James close today. On oh, the one hand, stop your protest.ing On the other hand, thirty one million pounds of public money being spent on protecting MPs and bodyguards and mm-hmm. all that. Um, but I don't, I don't know how you don't do that.
1: Well, you've got to protect people going about their yeah. business. Uh, I don't have a problem with that at all. Uh, I mean, two MPs murdered in the mm. space since when uh, Joe Cox of 2016. Yeah. Uh, in, so in eight years, uh, out of only 650 of them, that's going to, percentage-wise, that's, that's kind of a lot. I mean, what, obviously, any would be too many. And others being threatened. There was a guy injured, wasn't there, as well. Yeah. With the uh, the samurai sword, was it that was that was a while back? But also, wasn't it also
0: it? goes back to that whole thing of we we I maybe mean, because like in America, you know, politicians are treated as like huge not celebrities, yeah. but you know, they have huge entourages of yes. staff and mm-hmm. security, and that's seen as being part of the job. Because we sort of feel like MP should suffer the whole time that they well, they the shouldn't be claiming yeah. for you know travel or they should you know all that. Yeah, sort we, of, it's more yes. that if
5: you look at the security. So you know, both Rob and I do a lot of interviews, but you know, interviewing the. MPs, It's completely different. Some of them have like five or six locks on their doors, particularly Mm. the women. You know, you have some really dangerous situations. You know, some of them have stalkers coming out. Quite a few of them have people in jail who've actually stalked them. And then you've also got that sense that, you know, I remember one of them saying to me... um, that that when they went on the tube, they never stood near the edge of the line just in case someone pushed them over. And that's really frightening. Or they never wear heels, the women, because they think they might have to run. I mean, that just shouldn't be happening. So I think think, that's what I feel most sorry for the MPs. I mean, I think a lot of the times they're behaving egregiously and some of the behaviour is appalling, but actually how they're treated... I think is is the worst part of the job, and is meaning that a lot of people won't become MPs. Don't you think? I mean, they oh, won't.
1: totally. We've talked about this many times, haven't we? How the quality is going down, and and how many people are stepping down because they just it's not worth it anymore, and they've got to think of their their families and their their own health. Uh, I think we have created a climate in this country of a sort of slightly anti democratic mm. climate. Uh, you know, I always come back to Brenda from Bristol, oh no, not another one. And she celebrates as a kind of popular heroine. And I think, well, elections are a good thing. Yeah. People, people fought to have elections. Most of the world either doesn't have elections or has corrupt ones. Uh, and our elections are pretty much not uncorrupt. And we should celebrate that and celebrate the people who want to be a part of that democratic process. And particularly, and instead, particularly we, I mean, that one
0: in particular. Yeah. You
1: know, everyone complains about, oh, we've had how many prime ministers we have without having yeah. an election. You know, Theresa yes, May you, became we, prime minister and then sort her own mandate. Yes. That sort of thing. We're always being told... Quite. We've quite a like good thing. Yeah, yeah, and we moan and moan and moan and moan and then 30% mm. of people turn out in local elections mm. or even in a massive by-election that we were all talking about last week. It was 38% turnout. Yeah. So, you know, that's two out of every three voters, mm. pretty much, not bothering to vote, but I bet they're all having a moan. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, so. and they all
5: do online as well. So I think that's the problem for MPs is you're constantly having this bombardment online. And then if offline as well, you're nervous and you're worried. You wouldn't want, if you had a family, to go into politics now, would you? You'd be too worried about what happened to your children. And they, you don't want your children to see you being harassed the whole time. And you don't want to feel that you can't go into your constituency and talk to people.
0: Yeah. The so. Some of this is in the gift of politicians because they all do. it. You know, David Cameron did it before 2010 when he went on about how he was going to do away with ministerial cars. And we sort of both yeah, it's make a virtue of Vince Cairn yeah. and Ed Davey coming in yeah. on the bus. Yeah. Are by the running government departments. Yeah. You know, I actually, Sina, of course, Richie Sunak should fly around the country in a helicopter. We mm. suggest that the Prime Minister has nothing better to do than sit yeah. on a train for, you know... That like, probably doesn't line, work. That probably doesn't work. Yeah. Look, like, we obviously wanted to sort the train out. Yeah. But if we were told the Prime Minister was going to do nothing all day because he was catching the train to Edinburgh and back, uh-huh. we'd think that was a ridiculous way to carry <laughs> yes. it.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's absurd. And we kind of... We but don't... the
0: Labour Party fall into that. Yeah, you know, They
1: always make going on about his helicopter. Yeah. I guarantee if Keir
0: Starmer becomes Prime Minister, he will use a helicopter. Yeah. He should.
5: Yeah. On the other hand, it's quite good if they do sometimes go around and use public transport because they might actually talk to someone. That's what I liked about the British system, which I didn't when I was in America, is yeah. that you never get near anyone in America because they do have this mm. huge entourage, actually you could actually go and chat. So you, know, you could go and talk to someone. We were just talking about John Prescott. You, know, you, you could go up to John Prescott and tell him what you thought and yeah. he'd tell yeah. you what he thought. And that, that's great. That is really good for democracy if you can actually chat. But the
0: problem is that the, the discourse now is that people go up and threaten all sorts of MPs, yep. which is why they don't want to do it anymore. And actually the upshot of it all is they're going to become more detached. Mm. From, yeah. uh, from people. It'd be interesting. Well, we'll see what uh, how all that... I don't really know what to do about that. Um, we need to talk about tweakments, Robert. Yeah. You're not going to go full
1: Simon Cowell? You don't not, need to. No, not the full Simon Cowell. No, I'm not going to. I, would, I was just trying to be vaguely sympathetic <laughs> to Simon Cowell's predicament. What uh, are
5: you going to
1: have? Uh, that remains to be seen because... So those, those of us who were watching <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Saturday Night
0: Takeaway... Yes. It was quite surprising, particularly because they were rerunning and they, they, yes. they'd pranked him 20 years ago. Yes. And the contrast in the footage was striking. Yes, I mean, he's had a,
1: he's had a lot of work Look. and he has admitted himself a couple of years ago that maybe he had overdone it slightly. Maybe he still is overdoing it. I, I, I can see how that might become addictive, particularly when he's on television every yeah. day of his life, especially when he's alongside people, well, half or now one third of his age who are probably really good looking if they're on yeah. TV. So uh, it's not something that I find particularly... Uh, Appealing, but I was just trying to put myself in his shoes, I suppose. Yeah.
5: But we think Matt has because you've got a very smooth forehead. I, That's the yeah.
1: moisturiser. I, haven't, I, haven't, no, I would we talked every about day. his moisturising. I, yeah. I think about tweakments is that we, we all probably most of us would still kind of draw the line, at, you know, actual going under the knife. Yeah. But a tweakment, uh, which is a non surgical yeah. cosmetic procedure. Uh, that is on a sliding scale with your moisturising regime, yeah. isn't it? What exactly? Do you know what I mean? No, you you having pe- your hair cut or having a nice spa, yeah, exactly, yeah. having a spa day, nice spa or getting yeah. your teeth done. Yeah. I mean,
5: that feels Or getting your teeth done. Yeah.
1: Or Jurgen Klopp having his hair done, yeah. or Wayne Rooney, or whoever you know. Or so. I don't know. We, should, we shouldn't be too judgmental about him, even. But the point is, it didn't really make him look great. I, the cheek thing is the one that gets me because yeah. I I don't see what's so great about having kind of big. Sort of My lips. Out, but I think there's <laughs>
5: really big lips. Look big lips really are weird. Weird, mm. don't they? Because you know it's yeah. happened, so you think the whole point is that no one actually quite knows whether you've had anything done.
1: Yeah, That's but you do with the with the, with the trout pout. You do. You don't really you? do. Yeah. Yeah. and actually, yeah. it just
5: looks odd, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but then, I,
1: in fact, if we're really honest, if we thought if we were if we had the money yeah. and we had a surgeon who, we, who was going to make us look at five years younger without looking like we'd had it had done. it done, yeah. we'd all be a bit tempted, wouldn't we? That's all I was saying. It's just worrying because then you think it might all slip when you get older. Well, that's the problem. Then you have to have more and more done to try and do the repairs. Yeah. So it's probably best not to start, but then you can see why people do. Stop it before it starts. Just say no. (laughs) Also, there's a serious point I think regarding women. Uh, A lot of women in their 40s and 50s, uh, because of essentially double standards about how people look, I think they're. uh,
0: Planning for your next trip?
1: doing these things absolutely routinely mm. now uh, to be uh, look can, to look younger and to uh, be taken to, to be seriously I think it's even weird when you
5: get these 18 to 20 year olds so you get mm. really young ones and then very young generation alpha who are sort of under 14 who are yeah. all using those creams and potions and, yes, it, and, and are obsessed it. by it and they're mm. obsessed by anti-aging and you think if you're obsessed by anti-aging yeah. at 8 you've kind of had it and
1: get, a, get, a, get, <laughs> it, mean, get it as a sort of 18th or 21st yes. birthday yeah, yeah. present well we're going to talk more about young people
0: in a minute uh, mm. and whether or not they need therapy or just to pull themselves together. Let's turn attention to Alice's column, which I thought was excellent today. Jen said, need life lessons more than therapy. Uh, it was a very good column, which goes through the uh, scale of uh, the number of young people who are on antidepressants, Uh, those who say they need sick leave. And it ends, I'm just going to read the whole thing, Alice, just because, uh, not the whole column, just the last (laughs) paragraph, uh, because I think it makes an interesting uh, point for us to jump off from. We also need to teach children that some stress is normal, that life isn't going to be easy, that sad stuff happens and it's how you cope that matters, that you're not a victim if you take full responsibility for your future, that it's normal to feel uncertain and confused at times in your teens and 20s, that going to work when you're feeling low can be helpful, Mm. that seeing colleagues and contributing... Uh, are good distractions and may boost your self-worth. Your company and your country might also appreciate it. Well...
5: The problem is that you don't want to say don't have any therapy and they're all just whinging too much. But on the other hand, with, you know, you look at the that generation and a lot of them are having therapy and you just wonder whether they all need it. And what tipped me was there's a very good new book that's come out called Bad Therapy by Abigail Schreer. And she has done a lot of research in America where over 40 percent of children now have a therapist. And it's actually made them less happy. I mean, they're right. even less happy than our children are. And they they have a lot of interventions and they have far more drugs over there for them, so a lot more on antidepressants. And you think, actually, we've just gone too far, really, that maybe we should start saying to children, it's not all about therapy, that's not going to be the solution. We're going to have to actually change your lives and you're going to have to get out and do something. Because actually,
0: you know, and again, this is no way to play... You know, there is a a serious problem with people with serious mm. mental health problems who can't get the support they need. But also part of the beauty of being children is that Th- something's a massive drama and it's forgotten about the next day. The whole point is you sort of move on and yeah. you're, you know, you're quite yeah. easily distracted by
1: school or college yeah. or whatever. Friends. And, then, and you don't... Not then, wallowing. You don't, yeah, uh, uh, pick the scab, as it were. Yeah. yeah. And you also I'm do know it's it. going
5: to be quite difficult, don't you, so that actually when you leave uni or you leave school... Mm-hmm you know, bad stuff does happen. I mean, it's like it, your 20s can be quite messy, that yeah. it is quite difficult quite often. You're not going to yeah. find the ideal place, even though it's still harder for them in many ways because it's very hard to find somewhere to rent and that you know, you've got cost of living crisis. Mm. That on top of that, we all had various moments. Like I that. think my I mean, 20s was, was probably bad. my
1: unhappiest decade mm. yeah. by some distance, actually, because uh, prior to that, your life is pretty mapped out mm. and, you're pretty, and you're in a structure. Uh, I mean, if you go to college, you're in a until you're 21, 22, mm. and then suddenly you're not. And uh, that uncertainty
0: is enough yeah. to sort of discombobulate you. Yeah.
1: So, well, let's bring in uh, Kenneth Baker, Lord
0: Baker, former Education Secretary from 1986 to 1989. Good morning. Good morning to you. I've been listening to your discussion. Very interesting. What, what do you make of this? How much of uh, concern yeah. about uh, mental health was there when you were Education Secretary?
6: Well, the problem is simply this, there are lots of 13 and 14-year-olds in school today who don't want to go to school, who are, who are totally uh, turned off by it because they're not learning anything useful. And so 12 years ago, I created new types of technical schools. We had 300 in 1945. They were closed because of snobbery, a huge mistake. Germany still has technical schools. That's one of the reasons why they're richer than we are. And the schools that i founded, there's now 44 of them. They're public free schools for 14 to 18 year olds um and they teach skills as well as academic subjects all schools have to now do eight Gove academic subjects which are two english one maths three science one foreign language history or geography hmm. academic subjects that's a grammar school curriculum it's word for word the curriculum of 1904 <laughs> a year in which people have to walk in front of cars with a red flag and <laughs> i discovered that this was no good at all for most schools, and they, therefore I've created technical schools for 14 to 18-year-olds. We've got 44 with 20,000 students, and yeah. we give them skills. I know and the we have Do you think some they're the happier? Best,
0: Are they happier as we have a result? some of
6: the best destination because we take children at 14, some of whom have got quite a lot of mental problems, actually, they don't want to go to school. But in our curriculum, for two days of the week, They're working in a workshop or in a computer design room or visiting a business. They're learning with their hands as well as their brains. And as a result, we have astonishing results. A quarter of our students become advanced apprentices at 18. Do you know how much an advanced apprentice gets paid? They're paid £20,000 p- p- a year by the car companies. The Navy will pay £35,000 a year for someone who has one A level and a technical qualification. And we produce a lot of those. A quarter of our students become apprentices and so do, uh, compared, to only, compared to only 3% in schools.
0: Kenneth, can I just ask, do, do you think it's about actually people finding their, the, the thing that they enjoy yeah. in life, You, you know, a life Ooh. worth, a sense of life satisfaction?
6: Yes, it's all of that. They're learning with their hands. They get confident. They they you see, when, when companies approach us, they say they want children at eighteen who, um, who, who 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 are business friendly, who understand. And the first thing they ask for, have they worked yeah. in teams? In the normal school who don't work in teams. In my schools, my colleges, there are teams all the time of five yeah. working on a project which has been provided by a local company. Alice Thompson and Robert Crampton there, and of
0: course you can read them in The Times every week with your subscription. Find it at thetimes.co.uk. Up next is PMQ's Unpacked.
2: PMQs unpacked on Times Radio.
6: Unpacking
2: the politics and cutting through the crossfire.
6: Order, order. I call Matt Chorley and Tim Shipman.
0: Ah, Tim Shipman's here. Now, Tim, this time last week, it was a bit dull and then it all kicked off just as we'd finished.
8: Yes, I mean, well, I'm predict I, I, I mean, if we, if you want predictions, I think they're pretty much the same as what we thought might have happened l- last week. We've got the Rochdale by-election this week. We've got Lee Anderson kicking off all over the shop. We've got a budget coming up. There's lots and lots of things that they can both have a go at. Um, I don't think it's going to be possible to sort of close it down like Starmer managed to last week. So, uh, actually, uh, did you watch... Pit- so, Ed is also here, Lord
0: Vasey. Of Times Radio and Didcot. Um, did you did you watch PMQs last week? Do you normally No, I never watched PMQs. Don't you? No. Did you used to go when you were?
2: No, M- I never went when I was MP either. <laughs> did you ever ask a question at PMQs? Yes, of course. So how did you ask a question if you weren't there? Uh, well, it was a disaster, <laughs> my question. So I got a very first, uh, very early question on in two thousand and five when I was um, uh, when Blair was Prime Minister, and uh, it was just when Cameron was doing the whole uh, end of Punch and Judy politics. Oh yeah. So I wanted to ask about healthcare in Oxfordshire, which was actually, weirdly, under a Labour government ha- having its budgets cut. Uh, and I stood up, and in a consensual fashion, I'd even rung Downing Street to tell them I was going to ask a question about healthcare. I stood up and I said, uh, we have many fine doctors and nurses in Oxfordshire. And a Northern Labour MP shouted, we agree with you, lads, you can sit down now. <laughs> and the whole place the whole place collapsed in laughter. Q. Tim Shipman and you. And uh, nobody heard my question. Right. And Blair just patronised me, and that was the last time I tried it. (laughs) (laughs) And therein
0: lies the danger. And I used to go to
2: uh, David Cameron's PMQ's prep to begin with, and uh, I completely missed the point of it, because I just sort of sat there silently, because obviously Michael Gove dominated the whole proceedings. And of course, what I didn't realise, it was basically an ambitious MP's... Yeah, you were supposed to be showing off it. An ambitious MP would have spent Monday and Tuesday morning prepping like crazy and then prepping for gone the in tuesday yeah. afternoon and wowed cameron with 75 different jokes and eventually become chancellor of the exchequer but that didn't and then instead yet. of joining the cabinet you just had the best <laughs> job in government for years and years and years and years That's and right. years just get my head down <laughs>
8: and he's still still
0: doing it now just wandering around <laughs> hoovering up tickets um well after p if you for those who missed it last week uh, pmqs last week uh, uh keir starmer asked almost all of his questions about the technicalities of what did and didn't go on at the, at the post office and who did and didn't tell whom to to go slow or otherwise. Um, and actually contacted somebody in uh, Keir Starmer's uh, PMQ's prep team to say basically, what on earth was that all about? And they said they wanted to get some distance between uh, Rishi Sunak and uh, Kemi Badenok, who was obviously the one who was in the round with the post office man. And they thought it'd be a good idea to mix up the tone and style a bit and to also stop. Uh, Rishi Sunak, from using all of his Tory rousing stuff, pre-written about the by-elections and and all of that. Well, and we did call it right, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, But it didn't make for... um uh, they said, but don't
8: worry, the horrendous jokes it gave, will return. It, it gave me a hook to write about the leadership plotting and infighting at the weekend. Yes. The fact that the leader of the opposition was going after the putative front runner exactly, right, um, which is so quite interesting. You know, from that point, of it was view, interesting. It was not in that an sense. entirely wasted session. But obviously, then what happened?
0: Mere hours after PMQs was the enormous vow over the uh, motion to call for uh, immediate ceasefire in Gaza, put down by the SNP which the government gets to uh, put down an amendment because that's the rules, Uh, and uh, then the Labour Party wants to put down his own amendment, which normally isn't called, but after Keir Starmer went to see Lindsay Hoyle, he uh, said he would call that amendment. All hell broke loose. Since then, over 80 MPs have called for Lindsay Hoyle
8: to go. I think, actually, arguably the most interesting thing is going to be seeing how... The Hoyle performs today. Exactly. He Will he be quite or? so keen
0: to yes, intervene and tell everybody off? And actually, Stephen Flynn, leader of the SNP in Westminster, uh, was in the chair where you're sitting right now, Tim, just yesterday. And I point, I tried to ask him about where it's going to go. And he said they're going to keep up the fight. They want him gone. They think he's lost the, yeah. the control of the House. Uh, I pointed out to him, like, I'd noticed some SNP MPs were wearing ties in the Commons. They were clapping. They were doing all the things that normally Lindsay Hoyle tells, tells, you tells them off. not to. But will they keep doing that to try and undermine his... Uh, so there's a lot to... it be go- interesting to see here. if
8: they do that in PMQs.
0: In PMQs, exactly. Will he, you know, could, we should be braced, I think, also for a possible walkout. That's the obvious thing to do, is to get up at the precise moment and all walk out and cause some sort of chaos. So uh, here we go then. We uh, kick off, as ever, with Keir Starmer. Uh, we go live to the House of Commons. This is question number
4: one. Uh, thank you, Mr Speaker. Can I join with the Prime Minister in his uh, remarks about Lord Cormac and uh, Ronnie Campbell? A Tory MP spent last week claiming that Britain is run by a shadowy cabal made up of activists, the deep state, and most chillingly of all, the financial times. The at trust at, talking at about. what point did his party <laughs> give up on governing and become the political wing of the flat-earth society? Yeah.
3: Yeah.
7: Well, Mr. Mr Speaker... Mr Speaker... Another week where the Honourable Member is just sniping from the sidelines because he has absolutely nothing that he can say what we do. What we're getting on with, Mr Speaker, is delivering on the people's priorities the number of small boats down by a third, Mr Speaker. NHS performance improving, inflation continuing to fall. And, And, Mr Speaker, not only that, we're delivering a significant tax cut for millions of working Britons. While, while his incoherent energy plans would put taxes up for everyone across the country.
0: Well, there we are. Uh, a, a not bad... Back to... Back to... Back <laughs> the to game as like. usual. Uh, yes. But actually, a good demonstration now, precisely what Labour worry about, is if you do ask a, basically a clever dick question, there is a risk...
8: All you actually get is a part of a political broadcast. That's true, but the really clever dick questions are not clever dick questions. They're just awkward questions yeah. that cause, uh, cause mischief and, and uh, disquiet. So, uh, interesting, though, that Sunak again ducked the opportunity to say... I'm different from that Liz Truss woman, who's the one who's torpedoed my party's credibility on the economy. I disagreed with her on all of that. I, funnily enough, disagree with her on this. And, um, you know, it still shows the Prime Minister who's slightly worried about his right flank, um, that he feels he can't even put the boot into someone who,
2: I think, 80% of his MPs thought made an absolute prize banana of themselves last (laughs) week. But, I mean, it does give her the chance to come back. I mean, uh, rather like Nadine Dorries. I hate to obviously put them in the same category. It's very disrespectful to... To who? Nadine Nadine. (laughs) (laughs) Dorries. But, um, uh, you know, Liz Truss obviously is, is... trying to kind of position herself in a slightly bizarre way. But she seems to be running to for vice herself, president exactly, at the moment. <laughs> to, make herself, exactly, to make herself very prominent. And so this will give her a chance to come back and say, you know, no, what I'm saying is correct. This is all right, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I also do think, you know, Rishi Sunak is right, you know, and he should have been doing this from the beginning of his premiership, just saying, these are the things I'm getting on with. I mean, I'm not sure I agree with his five priorities and whether he's going to get uh, driven into a cul-de-sac on those. But he just says, look, I'm, I'm doing a job here. I'm doing it well, you know, what have you got to say, Labour? Which is, you know, and it is difficult for Labour because all they can say is, well, we don't know what the economy is going to look like in six months' time, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But also, I suppose, the point about that particular question is, uh, when did you become the political
0: wing of the Flat Earth Society? It's not actually putting one under any pressure. It be interesting to see if he goes as far as saying, you've taken the whip off Lee Anderson, mm. why don't you do the same for Liz Truss? Because then his answer might be
4: more instructive. Let's go back to the comments. Question number two from Keir Stummer. Mr Speaker, his predecessor spent last week in America trying to flog her new book. In search of fame and wealth, she's taken to slagging off an under... Uh, They made a Prime Minister, now they can't bear talking about her. In search of fame and wealth she's taken to slagging off and undermining Britain at every opportunity. She claimed claimed that as Prime Minister she was sabotaged by the deep state. She also remained silent as Tommy Robinson, that right-wing thug, was described as a hero. Why is he allowing her to stand as a Tory MP at the next
7: election? Well predicted, Mr Chorley. Mr Speaker, I don't believe a single member of this House supports Tommy Robinson, yeah. Mr Speaker. But, but Mr Speaker, if, if he wants to talk about former leaders and predecessors, ah. the, whole, the whole country knows his record, because he sat there while anti-Semitism ran rife in this party. And not once, but twice... ...backed a man who called Hamas friends, Mr Speaker. But to their credit, to their credit, the Shadow Chancellor, the Shadow Home Secretary, and indeed the Shadow Foreign Secretary, refused to back the former Labour leader. But he didn't, because he's spineless, hopeless and utterly shameless.
8: <laughs> Game on, people. Yeah. I think there might be a general election this year, you, know.
2: but... uh, well, you predicted it. you predicted yeah. it, Matt. Uh, he so called on, uh, called on uh, Liz Truss to have the whip taken away, but he has come back with the Jeremy Corbyn uh, rejoinder. And actually, I wonder if Liz Truss is in the chamber. And I also wonder whether, seeing Angela Rayner, obviously, sitting next to uh, Keir Starmer, whether the Prime Minister will seek to raise that issue, which has been playing, obviously, in the press this week about her council house. So about the council house as a man on Sunday. Which she yeah. bought her council
0: house and then yeah. wants to...
2: Limit the ability of other yeah. people to do the same thing. I mean, if it's just basically a smear fest, it does appear to be. That uh, way we're then hanging. who knows what's going to come out in the next? The interesting
8: thing about this, though, is that last week both leaders almost decided and kind of mutually agreed not to have a fight. This week, they kind of both know they've got problems behind them. Um, but soon has gone for anti-Semitism, knowing that Starmer's going to come back about Islamophobia, and yeah. and, and he will come that. back and say, "I kicked him out of my party." Yes, yeah. All Why won't is you do the same? Suspended yeah. the whip. Yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, they both seem to want to have a proper dust up. So, I mean, obviously there'll be people out there who will say this is another regrettable example of. More heat than light, and others will say they're glad they tuned in again this week.
0: <laughs> well, let us know what you think. Oh, 003 2353 is the WhatsApp, or you can uh, you can join the uh, the comments, the chat on the uh, on the YouTube channel. Uh, let's go. As Greg says, at least Stammer had the bottle to kick Corbyn out. Uh, Tom says is attacking a former party leader such a smart move. Well, let's go back to the comments. I think question three from Keir Stammer,
4: Mister Speaker. Mr. Speaker, I've changed my party for the better. He is being changed by his party. The reason he's letting her stand is because he's too weak to do anything about it. It's the story of his leadership. When they refuse to accept any blame for the ruin of the last 14 years, you do wonder who they think has been running the country all this time. Thankfully, the former Prime Minister is on hand again to help. It turns out it's all the fault of the media, the corporate world and, bizarrely, the President of the United States. Winston Churchill once said, the price of greatness is responsibility. Now I don't think the British public are expecting greatness from this Prime Minister, just a bit of accountability. So doesn't think it would be great if, just for once, the Tories actually took some
7: responsibility? Mr Speaker, he talks about leadership, he talks about change, but when I learnt of something that I didn't agree with, I suspended one of my MPs straight away. But when he, but Mr Speaker, Speaker, when he learnt learnt of vile, anti-Semitic remarks made by a Labour candidate, what did he do, Mr Speaker? He instructed his team to defend him. He sent sent a shadow cabinet minister to campaign for him and he personally backed him for days. And that's the difference between us. I act on my principles. He hasn't got any.
8: Wow. Yeah, well, it's you know it's punchy stuff, and look, the Tories can read the focus groups and the, and the and the, the sort of intimate polling as well as anybody, and they know people are still not convinced by Starmer. People still don't know what Starmer stands for, and the, the concern about Starmer is that you know he keeps changing his mind, and does he have any of these principles? Uh, I mean, passing the the prime minister's answer. A little bit there, um, saying that he suspended Lee Anderson uh, yes. immediately is a little <laughs> bit generous because there was a quote from Tory Central Office uh, effectively backing him uh, prior to uh, uh, the decision to suspend him. Um, uh, but, you know, he's right. Um, Starmer took 48 hours to get rid of his uh, candidate in Rochdale. Um, and we'll see the outcome of that on Thursday. I mean, we should. I mean, it, the implication is
0: Lee Anderson said something he disagreed with. I suspended him immediately. The implication is that he doesn't disagree with Liz Truss, if you follow the, 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 the logic of that. If someone says something which I think is unacceptable, I would draw the whip
2: immediately. He's therefore... Yes, well, maybe this is Chorley prediction time again. Maybe if Keir Starmer is fast on his feet, he'll come back with exactly that point, saying, well, you've suspended Lee Anderson because you disagreed with him, but you haven't suspended Liz Truss. Do you agree with her then? But then it becomes a bit torturous for the for the viewer unless you're completely sort of a Westminster Village aficionado. I think Sue probably thinks what Lee Liz
8: Anderson Truss. said was sort of wrong and dangerous and what Liz Truss has said is just stupid and doesn't require him
0: to have an <laughs> opinion on it. Uh, not a brilliant question from Keir Starmer then?
8: A weird Churchill well, quote both, in the middle. Sort of, they've, so far they've all been sort of open ended. They've been questions that are taunts and have just left it free to for Sinnott so you know, to come back. There's been nothing awkward that he's had to answer or had to dodge. But
2: um, they would have been pleased with the Winston Churchill quote. The Labour team, because they ov- they obviously love quoting Tories back at Tories and Tories for the right wing press. So you know they'll bring out Margaret Thatcher, Winston Churchill whenever they can. Yeah.
0: Uh, Well, let's go. uh, We are... This is PMQ's Unpacked with Matt Cholly, joined by Tim Shipman and Ed Vasey. Let's go back to the Commons question number four.
4: I can't believe he's saying it with a straight face. The former Prime Minister continued on her American odyssey, this work, this journey into the Wild West of her mind, she also claimed, she also claimed, Mr Speaker, that Nigel Farage is the man to restore the Tory party. Can the Prime Minister confirm whether he too would welcome Mr. Farage
7: back into the Tory fold? Yes. That's a a
2: proper question.
7: We have a proud tradition of diversity and accepting everyone from every background. Indeed, it is a proud record that puts Labour to shame, Mr Speaker. This is the party that delivered the first Jewish Prime Minister, the first female Prime Minister, the first black Chancellor, the first Muslim Home Secretary, and now led by the first British Asian Prime Minister. While it seems he can only champion men from North London, it's the Conservatives that represent modern Britain, Mr Speaker.
8: Well, it's an interesting answer.
7: <laughs> to, to he's her.
2: rehabilitated quasi quarting. Well,
7: Sounds he's rehabilitated. Yeah. He's
8: also appearing to leave the door open to a boy from Dulwich College, yes. you know, to <laughs> scrapped his way up yes.
2: <laughs> to, to
8: fight his way back Will into the Conservative Will you welcome party?
0: Nigel Farage back into the uh, Conservative Party with a list
8: of the uh, Conservatives' proud history of diversity? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, they probably haven't
2: had a genuine um, cigarette smoker for quite some time on the front bench. <laughs> yes. We have the first Home Secretary who's smokes, chain smokes for 20 years. Uh, he could have said, I suppose, Nigel Farage would never dream of... You know, he would dream of joining the Labour Party, but I don't know if that would have landed well. But, um, yeah, he didn't. He, he dodged the question. Well, look, I mean, the people who want Lee Anderson back
8: also would quite like Nigel Farage in the party, so yeah. I think what he's done there is probably not sort of um, deliberately go out of his way to annoy them.
0: What do you think, Ed, having been inside the Tory party... Well, you are still you're a Conservative
2: peer.
8: Yes.
0: Um... <laughs> Theoretically. Is, I mean, on paper at least. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Uh, <laughs> is there any real prospect of Nigel Farage returning to the uh, Conservative Party? And, uh, uh, or is this just a, basically nonsense? Because he likes being in the news people talking about him. and uh... It all depends on the election
2: result. I don't think there's any prospect of him joining the Conservative Party before the election. I think there's every chance of him rejoining reform, as it were, and leading that from the front into the election and causing a lot of damage to the Conservative Party. And I suspect his mindset is that if uh, he succeeds and the Tory party loses the next election and loses badly, the way is open uh, for a kind of takeover. Because if you've got people like Suella Braverman and so on uh, then jostling for the leadership, um, then there might be a Tory leader in opposition who would welcome Nigel Farage back and indeed... Giving quite an important role. Somebody's just texted in saying, Ed Vasey's too
0: nice for the nasty party. Oh, that's so, so sweet. It's it coming from your number, though, so I'm not <laughs> sure how that works. Well, if
8: Nigel Farage <laughs> gets back, you might find that Ed is suddenly a crossbencher. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or a
0: bishop. Uh, <laughs> right, let's go back to the House of Commons there. This is what we're now to. Question number five from Keir Starler.
4: So, so this, this diverse Tory party does welcome Nigel Farage the Prime Minister two months two months two months ago the Prime Minister said the Tory party is a broad charge I welcome lots of people who want to subscribe to our ideals and our values this is the same Nigel Farage who said he agreed with the basic premise of Enoch Powell's rivers of blood speech and bemoaned the influence of the Jewish lobby. So is the Prime Minister simply too scared to stand up to the gaggle of Tory MPs who moonlight as GB presenters, or does he genuinely think Nigel
7: Farage shares the ideals and values of the Tory party?
6: Mr Speaker, he
7: wants to talk about values, but tomorrow in Rochdale, the people will have a choice of three former Labour candidates, two of which are anti-Semites, Mr Speaker. The truth is, his party is so mired in hate that despite three ex-Labor candidates standing, he can't back a single one of them, Mr. Speaker. It's because we expel anti-Semites, he makes them Labour candidates.
2: That's harsh. Oh, that's pretty uh that's not sitting on the fence there. Pretty uh ballsy stuff. I'll um, be interested
8: to see what the numbers are on this and where, you know, how popular is having a go at anti-Semitism versus how popular is it having a go at islamophobia um genuinely don't know the answer but they clearly think that trying to make it look like starmer has not changed his party after all because i think if you'd gone back six months what people would have said about starmer is he got rid of the hard left and the anti-semites um he's um got them in a sort of more responsible position on the economy but he's a bit dull and he hasn't really told us what he's going to do um, and the th- the third bit was the bit they were focusing on but the Tories are now having a decent go at attacking point one um, and uh, putting that back in play in people's minds and you know that, that may have an effect electorally.
2: And who do you think uh, Starmer is wanting to appeal to by raising the spectre of Farage rejoining Uh, The Conservative Party, because there'll be plenty of Tory voters who Mm. would welcome the prospect potential.
8: Well, look, he's putting off um, the blue-wall voters in the South who might vote Lib Dem and hand a bunch of seats to the Labour Party, and I think he's also trying to just sow discord between um, the Tory front bench and the Tory right and the Tory Tory red wall, which isn't quite uh, that coterminous, not exactly the same thing. Mm. Um, And, you know, the more divisions you can sow over this Lee Anderson thing, that's probably worthwhile um, because it keeps... Uh, Sunak distracted with internal party management matters rather than, you know, actually making any progress and making the argument that you've been saying he should make, that, look, we're doing all these things. Um, If he spends half his day worrying about this kind of stuff, then um, it's going to be less straightforward. And actually talking
0: up reform, if you look at the polls, of the 2019, uh, the people who voted Conservative in 2019, more of them are going to reform than going to Labour at the moment.
8: Yeah, so, you know, actually it's in Starmer's interest to keep that, that. Well, and also, having them prominent gives them more support exactly. because they look more credible. Um, and if you actually look at what, you know, you talk to a pollster, some pollsters prompt for reform when they ask you who you're going to back and some say the three main parties and then the other, and then they break, if you say other, they then offer you the uh, reform. And the difference between prompting and not prompting is about three percentage points, according to the pollsters I speak to. So the very act of having them prominent publicly boosts their following. We'll see what, uh, uh,
0: what difference that will make. Uh, lots of people pointing out the, uh, not a peep from Lindsay Hoyle today. No, Even it though silent. it's been quite lively uh, and a lot of noise. It's just been left to Rishi Sunak and Keir Starmer to wait for the, uh, for the noise uh, to abate. Uh, let's go back to the House of Commons, and this is question number six from Keir Starmer. Keir
4: Starmer! Mr Speaker... The truth is, these are no longer the Tories your parents voted for, and the public can see it. The Prime Minister has lost control of his party to the hordes of records of malcontents, the tinfoil hat brigade over there, the extremists who wrecked the economy, all lining up to undermine him, humiliate him, and eventually to get rid of him. When will he ever stand up to them and end the pathetic spectacle of a Tory party that used to try and beat Nigel Farage, now giving up and dancing to his tune
7: instead? Mr Speaker, Mr Speaker utterly shameless from someone who stood by while anti-Semitism ran rife in his party, oversaw the appalling situation in Rochdale and twice backed the member for Islington North. And in the last few homes, Mr Speaker, last few weeks, we've seen members of Parliament's homes surrounding. Their events disrupted, council meetings threatened, and just last week we saw the very rules that govern this place abused because of intimidation, Mr Speaker. While he might, to, uh,
2: he speaker might, Mr
7: Speaker, while he might want to bend to mob rule, we will face down the extremists and stand up for British values.
8: Well, that's very interesting as well, isn't it? Because that's almost saying more politely what Lee Anderson said very mm. impolitely. So he's trying to... There's a bit of, there's a bit of Johnsonism creeping in here. There's he's a trying bit to of cake put and eat uh, Starmer <laughs> in that.
2: the same box as the Islamic extremists and saying that Starmer yep. somehow... Take some responsibility for the intimidation uh, of MPs. And I'm not sure the whole Starmer attack worked, because it was slightly all over the place. I mean, it was a series of attacks on Tory uh, divisions, but there was no kind of narrative or cumulative, you know, crescendo to this point. I mean, he tried, but because we'd darted around with Liz Truss and Lee Anderson, I would have probably focused more on uh, Lee Anderson myself. Really? Yeah, I think so. I think it's more, it's more of a live issue, because as Tim said earlier, it's kind of Lee Anderson was a kind of serious... Uh, a serious kind of political intervention mm. which causes all sorts of uh, problems, whereas Liz Truss is just slightly away it's a with the fairness. That's, light how, relief, that's isn't how the it, really? public
8: view.
0: Yeah. But what he didn't at any point come back with, Keir Starmer, was it's very straightforward I kicked Jeremy Corbyn out. Yeah, he didn't say mm. it. Why won't you do the same? And then mm. sit down again. Don't give him a chance to turn yeah, yeah, the page exactly. to his next thing. Yep. One no. uh, word I think I've written down at least twice, if not three times, is shameless.
8: Yep. Uh, Utterly shameless. And the, the, the line earlier was spineless, hopeless, shameless. You know, I mean, <laughs> it, it's new... obviously punchy rhetoric, but I suspect that that is a word that various members of the public have used in focus groups focus and, and they thought, thought, well, we're yeah. going to keep throwing that back at him. Um, he's only, and that is, is his like He's only ever used
0: know. the word shameless once. In December last year, he uh, um, accused someone of sh- typical shameless opportunism.
2: Uh, that was talking about Keir Starmer, but that was just before Christmas. That's um, a brilliant piece of research. It's like being on the radio with two football pundits. I well, mean, you're like one of those commentators who yeah. say, you know, the last <laughs> <this picture. laughs> time Manchester United scored from that particular position yeah. at that minute was in 1953. You've got before all... we can start drawing it's on It's absolutely go, that, uh, brilliant. But I suspect also, by the way, that the Prime Minister believes it. I suspect if you were privately in the room with him preparing for PMQs, he would be saying, this is ridiculous, you know, I've got problems. But for Starmer to go on this when he backed Jeremy Corbyn twice to be Prime Minister and then to stand up straight-faced and say... Uh, that somehow uh, my party tolerates Islamophobia because of Lee Anderson's remarks. It's shameless. He probably does believe that. Yeah, I think he probably does. And interestingly, when when
8: Johnson and then Sunak started using the sort of Corbyn line, because the narrative was that Starmer had basically dealt with this stuff, it didn't really land. And I yeah. think you and I felt mm. it was a bit daft and a bit retro. And um, it feels to me like it's got. Legitimate Little fresh life, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was interesting what he was do. What Rishi
0: Sunak did by peeling off Rachel Weaves, the Shadow Chancellor, yep. uh, David Lammy, David Lammy, Shadow Foreign Secretary, th- those people, Yvette you know, Cooper, Cooper yeah, Shadow, Shadow Home, Home Secretary, Secretary, who refused to serve under Jeremy Corbyn, mm, i were very publicly critical of him. Yep. there is there is a dist- difference there, and I don't think that Keir Starmer is ever fully accounted for. His decision to carry on serving That's someone right. who he now thinks on I think be his honest
8: pale. answer would be, "I stuck around so I could be leader of the Labour Party and change it." Yeah, um, which is a bit shameless and a bit opportunistic. Um, but, and also, potentially and to and if someone the hadn't kind of yeah. won the leadership, Rachel Reeves and Yvette yeah. Cooper and yeah, would not vacu- be sitting on that it front it of the it's bench. It's also know.
2: interesting that uh, the Prime Minister didn't use, you know, Lindsay's troubles from last week to say, you know you're trying to make out that I've got a divided party, you know, you have to basically lean on the Speaker to get a motion to try and unite your party because it's so divided. That's really interesting. It's really interesting. Because
0: um, uh, I th- I was at the Keir Starmer thing, he was asked by uh, Anushka Astana for an ITV documentary, why did you go around the country campaigning for Jeremy Corbyn? And you now say it was beyond the pale. And he said, basically, he didn't think the Labour Party was in a position to win. And so essentially his, his inability to
2: persuade anyone uh, to vote Labour was so... Uh, reminds me of when I went round the country with Ian Duncan-Smith.
8: <laughs> <laughs> but let's be honest, what people like Starmer and others were saying on the doorstep was, this bloke can't win, so you don't need to worry about yeah. him. Vote for me because I'm your local candidate and we need to have as many good yeah. Labour MPs but as but possible. But that, that, I think, is OK But for you're the right, MP, he's never been honest enough to, to have that conversation Brexit. with the country, he, he
0: was in... He was... Putting himself forward to be in Jeremy Corbyn's government, which is very different. Uh, lots of talk about the Rochdale by election, so let me just give you the candidates. Uh, uh, the, uh, Azar Ali was the Labour candidate, is now independent. Mark Coleman is independent. Simon Danchuk is Reform UK. Ian Donaldson's Liberal Democrat. Paul Ellison is Conservative. George Galloway, Workers' Party of Britain. Michael Howarth, Independent. William Howarth, Independent. Guy Otten, Green Party. Raven Rodent Subbordner from the official Monster Waving of Looney Party. And David Tully. It's another independent. And obviously, that by election taking place
2: on Thursday. We'll have all the fallout from that
0: on Times Radio on Friday. Um, obviously, you can catch Ed Vasey here on a Friday. Yes. What can we expect from your seven, show? This week? Seven
2: o'clock uh, in the evening. Uh, Stella Creasy is going to come on, do my week in Westminster. Very good. And I think I've got uh, Rocco Forte, the Ooh, hotelier, coming on. Of the hotels? CEO of the week.
0: Very good. Any live music? Uh,
2: not that I'm aware do of. Do you of, drink on air? Occasionally. <laughs> yeah, yeah I've, I had a gin and tonic last week. Did you? Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah,
5: yeah. Oh, my producer, my you...
2: producer felt I needed one. We have a
0: wine club on a Friday. Sometimes on Fridays we do wine, t- wine yeah. tasting. We haven't done it for a while. The last time I did it, I spilled wine everywhere. Mm. <laughs> are we ready to do the best? Oh, here is. Lava coming. You've only Where ever offered she's... me cheese. I know, but that was at the G7, wasn't
8: it? We had what cheese
0: was? at the G7. Mm-hmm. Here she comes. Oh, my God, Lava needs a chair. Let's get Lava a chair. Here we are. It's all right, Thanks we're live so on the radio, don't worry. At least you bought your book in.
2: <laughs> That's my book. It was your book. Oh, okay, It's John O'Farrell. John O'Farrell, Here we are.
3: Do. Yeah. Why well, are there pigs on the
2: floor? We are live.
0: Laura, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, there's only one question I want to know. Uh, how good was Stephen Flynn?
3: He was pretty sober, actually. What? I think he, oh, yeah, I'm afraid to say, for your sake. I've been bigging it up. I think for his, on his part, he was keen to look um, sort of mature and magisterial and um, asked a question in a very that's serious That's not your daddy's
8: way. SMP either, is it? No. <laughs> Clapping and walking out. Wait, that's what the... we want. And there was
3: only vague reference to the chaos of last week.
0: <laughs> oh. Well, but
3: it's still an important question. We're we,
0: so. we to have a listen to it anyway. Stephen Flynn, we got Stephen Flynn here. We go. This is Stephen Flynn.
3: Flynn,
4: Mr. Speaker, we're now approaching five months since this conflict first began, and in that time, this house has equivocated, and this government, on three occasions at the United Nations, has abstained when it could have voted for a ceasefire. Abstentionism is not leadership. So, can I ask the Prime Minister? Should this matter now come before the United Nations with a ceasefire potentially in sight? Will he use his government's vote in order
7: to deliver? that ceasefire. Yeah. Yeah. Prime Minister. Well, Mr Speaker, we support the United States draft resolution uh, that was discussed with colleagues at United Nations last week, but just calling for an immediate full ceasefire now, which collapses back into fighting within days or weeks, and indeed does not release... Hostages, including British hostages, is not in anyone's interest. We must work towards a permanent ceasefire, and that starts with an immediate humanitarian pause to get aid in and hostages out. I agree with the honourable gentleman about the suffering of the people in Gaza and in this country. We should be proud of everything we are doing to help them and provide them the life-saving aid that they deserve.
0: That wasn't what I was expecting at all. I, well, were you expecting? I was expecting him to try and reignite the whole way. He was in the studio yesterday, Stephen Flint, you know, saying, saying of, the battle goes to. on. He'd been lied to, and he was trying to save his own skin. And it's outrageous, and he's got to go. Eighty-six MPs have backed the motion.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the risks with today's PMQs for him is actually that the two main parties aren't backing, removing him from his post, and to do something publicly might actually backfire on him in this moment. There's also this question that he's facing around whether or not he's politicising this issue, and this was perhaps a good opportunity for him to ask rise something. It in this for, day,
0: yeah, yeah, rise above it. Because he, did, yeah, he didn't Yeah, he did particularly like me pointing out that there was a lot of politics going on. Did he not? So do you think he changed his mind after coming on the Matt Twally Show? I mean, it's, it's happened before. Allegra Stratton, you remember her? Yep. Used to be um, the, mm-hmm. the Prime Minister's... yeah. Net Zero spokesman. Yep. After she came on, she revealed that she had a Volvo, an old diesel Volvo. And
2: I gave her a hard time about it. The next time she came on, she got rid of it. Oh, that's interesting. That's, yeah. People changed their cars and changed their positions. But I do think it's right that Stephen uh, <laughs> Flynn, uh, you know, I think it's right that uh, it's become, you know, a lot of people uh, think this is a Westminster inside a row. You know, MPs looking into themselves rather than talking about the issue. So he's saying, actually, I am a big man as well. I want to talk about the issue. That's why we had our motion. Will continue to kind of harass the speaker, but let's talk about the issue the SNP wanted to talk about yeah. before it all went tits but up. I suppose,
0: Tim, there's, a, there's a, I mean, in a way, th- to any other party, if you just look like you're playing parliamentary games, it might count against you. But given that's the SNP's entire,
8: <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of their MO. Yeah, really. yeah. <laughs> and actually, <laughs> the
0: more you appoint, and out, actually, West for their voters in, in Scotland, Scotland,
8: Scotland. Exactly. they 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 kind of like that. They they do think you know this is the wicked yeah, yeah. imperial capital where nonsense occurs.
2: Yeah.
8: Um, yeah. I think it would have
2: helped uh, the SNP at Scotland, V, I
8: I would have thought so. Um, which is why they did all these slightly curious things when, um, you know, the humble crofter was in charge. Yeah.
2: And of course that's why, you know, the Keir Starmer cannot be complacent. Because if uh, the SNP start to row back... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not going to be helpful to him.
0: And actually, if you, if you look then today, I mean, I think Stephen Flynn's ability to, to realise, you know, now's the time to step back and all that, you know, they have got a big fight on in Scotland, Labour, and it's not yeah. necessarily going to go all their way. Exactly. exactly. The SNP are still, you know, they don't have Nicola Sturgeon, but they're still a smart political operation. And actually, Rishi Sunak, you know, a rider at PMQs, his response to Keir Starmer, you know, the general election campaign is going to be dirty, mm. and they will throw absolutely everything at Keir <laughs> Starmer. Yeah. And he... You know, they're not going to give up just because the polls say they're going to lose.
2: No, I don't think they'll give up at all. No. I mean, the Tories, I think, have raised an enormous amount of money as well. Yeah. I mean, there are lots of people who are backing the Tories financially. I think they're going to outspend Labour in the election. Yeah. Uh, Laura, where where are we going next?
3: We are going to the Labour MP, Kevin Jones, next, um, who asks a question about the uh, CEO of the post office uh, and specifically whether or not Rishi Sunak has confidence in him following yesterday's business committee.
8: Let's take a listen. Jones. Uh, after yesterday's revelation that uh, Nick Reed, the CEO of the Post Office, is under
6: investigation for an 80-page report written by the former head of HR at the Post Office, does the Prime Minister and Business Secretary have confidence in Nick Reed's leadership at the Post Office?
7: Oh. Mr Speaker, it would clearly be inappropriate for me to comment on an investigation before it has been completed. Our focus remains working closely with the post office to ensure that it delivers justice for postmasters caught up in this historic scandal. And that's why we will imminently bring forward the legislation that we promised.
6: Shalish uh, Farr.
0: It was a pretty extraordinary moment yesterday, that, that
8: committee hearing Tim yeah and that was a very non-committal answer, yeah. I mean but it was like the sort of centrally it was non-committally non-committal because you can give a non-committal answer where you sort of hint that we're basically' on their side or basically we're not on their side, and that was very much a kind of don't don't drag me into this, this one <laughs> which suggests that they think it's awkward.
2: Uh, was Nick Reed actually in the same room as uh, the chairman of the Post Office at the select committee hearing when the chairman revealed it was Nick Reed under investigation? No, I think he'd been up first, yeah. and then
0: Henry Staunton came yeah. in afterwards. So, uh,
2: but and of course, Kevin Jones is a long-time campaigner on this, so he has very great credibility in this. Former De- Labour defence minister, yeah, a proper being old stager It is he's, Kevin. <laughs> he certainly is, and he's been campaigning on this issue uh, for many, many years. Um, but uh, in in fact, I don't. There wasn't a lot that Rashid Sunak could say because he is actually right. It, this guy's under investigation, innocent until proven guilty. Can't say, I I think this guy should go when he may may be innocent. But they got rid of Henry Staunton while the investigation was ongoing. Well, the point was they got rid of Henry (laughs) Staunton because they didn't think he was doing a good job as chairman. That's the line. And then Kemi Badnock uh, whether wisely or not, decided to throw the entire kitchen sink at him and make this into a full-blown row which could run and run.
8: He also ripped the taps out, smashed them around <laughs> his head and, and then got the water jet um, and shot it up his nose.
0: But I was pretty extraordinary yesterday. When M- it's not often that MPs are genuinely agog. And when he whipped out, he'd sort of laid out all of his sort of paperwork. <laughs> And he whipped out the fact that he was in an investigation. They were sort of genuinely taken aback and didn't know what to do.
3: Wasn't it Jonathan Gullis? Yeah. Uh, I can't remember what he said exactly, but I read it this morning. It's day. probably yeah, something it's... to
8: do with chai latte, I, think it says I would says. I think
3: he said, you've blown my mind, or this has blown yeah. my mind, or something to yeah. that effect. And yeah, you're mm-hmm. right that uh, revelations of that kind don't come across. But that uh, you know picture that we now all associate with yesterday of Henry Staunton holding up a heavily redacted piece of paper yes. and sort of waving it at the uh, MPs, I think it's quite memorable.
0: But also, ultimately, uh, the number the, the actual thing that needs to happen is people need to get their compensation. And whether or not someone told Henry Staunton to go slow, they mm. have been going slow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there's no doubt about that. And they're now talking about it would take years and years and years at this rate to get all the
2: money out the door. Um, and that ultimately is a political problem, isn't it? Yeah, and Alan Bates is absolutely right. And it's the same as the infected uh, blood scandal. I mean, there are, the trouble with these issues, you know, they're surrounded by lawyers saying, oh, you can't pay it out because, you know, it's not all the T's haven't been crossed, all the I's haven't been dotted. But you're right, Matt. It's a political problem. The public is 100% behind the sub postmasters. They want to see sub postmasters paid, particularly those, you know, we know that people are dying without receiving any compensation. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's and that's a massive scandal issue. with the blood one. That mm. picture, people yeah. are literally dying all the yeah.
8: time yeah. Yeah. Uh, as a result of, you know, negligence that, that they deserve of the money for. Yeah.
0: Course, so, uh, no answer on that one more, Lara?
3: There's one more, yeah, if I may, one. Um, yeah, yeah. from Shaila Shvara, who's, of course, a Conservative MP. There were two questions about uh, planning in Peterborough today, um, and this is the less boring of the two, but I think...
2: <laughs> <laughs> two questions on Peterborough Sold. in PMG. The other
3: one was Paul Bristow on a, on a secondary school field, as far as I could understand, oh. uh, which actually had a lengthy response from which, so like, which we issue. won't be playing, but obviously listeners, if they wish to, can listen back on Parliament Live. Um, but this... <laughs> this um, sorry, I've <laughs>
0: got to pop a note.
3: This is, I think, quite a good illustration of the problem that anybody like Michael Gove has. Um, Michael Gove currently shouting um, at uh, Jeremy Hunt and others to provide some sort of bold issue. Uh, um, measure on housing for young people uh, in the budget or before the election has, which is uh, questions like these from uh, quite shamelessly NIMBY uh, MPs to the effect of not wanting houses uh, in their constituency. So have a listen.
4: Thank you, Mr Speaker. A few years ago, there was a proposal to build nearly 7,000 houses in a beautiful part of my constituency near the villages of Castor and Aylesworth against the wishes of the local residents. I worked with the local community and together we were able to stop this development. However, efforts are now being made to include this land in a revised Peterborough local plan. Would the Prime Minister agree with me that it is very important that the voice of the local community is heard and that it is unacceptable that developments can take place in this circuitous way, especially? When there is other more suitable land available in and around the city of Peterborough
7: my, right, my honourable friend raises an important issue and he's right that the local community should always have their voice heard it's, it's important that councils bring forward local plans, but this must be done in close consultation with local communities because their voices matter as I understand it the Peterborough local plan is still under preparation and there are opportunities to provide comments on the draft plan so I, encourage and commend my honourable friend for continuing to support his local community to make sure that their voice is heard.
5: Sarah Owen.
8: Oh, housing.
5: Well, you know This right? is where
8: I become Stalinist. Build the homes. We Do need the I homes.
0: thinking then? My mind slightly drifted. <laughs> and uh, the, the two men sitting behind Rishi Sunak seem to have the same tie on. Oh.
3: oh.
0: I, don't, I don't know if it's... a is it a military we th- back?
3: Th- I we was too back?
2: busy getting angry about house building.
3: Yeah, thanks so much, Matt, for caring so deeply
2: about <laughs> well, people getting, getting on, uh, on. Uh, The people of Pittsburgh are my thoughts. Easy no. to mock, Shiloh Shvada. That is textbook. Textbook. You're textbook fighting your seat. Uh, I stopped the planning development. That's in the, that's in the question. I yeah. stopped the planning development. Local residents don't want it. I'm with my local residents. There are other places in Peterborough, translation, other constituencies yeah. where this housing could go. Paul Bristow,
7: Thanks very much. <laughs> There's a lovely... Uh, Paul, on
2: Paul Bristow's playing field, for example, you yeah, get yeah. at least half the houses. <laughs> <laughs> but this is... Is there... Will there ever be a tipping point where Tory MPs might accept some housing of their constituency? No. no. I mean, there are no votes in supporting housing development. There are only votes in opposing. Which is why we don't build enough houses. Correct. Just so you know. This is (laughs) why you need planning reform. This is why you need planning reform. Yes, you do need to to take local councils out of planning and you need to impose uh, housing uh, on areas because no well, of course the no Prime Minister lo- we need to make sure that local voices are heard yes well unfortunately when local voices are heard they all say no <laughs> <laughs> silence the local voices yeah. we need local.
8: national five year plans we, it's we very straightforward we did have
3: didn't we we did we have a Rishi Sunak drop Yeah.
8: So well they weren't being hit either and Labour never hits them either I mean this is the whole thing this is one of the great you know I mean, we built HS2 about 40 years after we should have done. Mm, um, Or not. not, (laughs) as the case may be. Housing and building a third runway, these are dramatic, colossal, collective failures of the entire political class. It's absolutely pathetic. And Mm. for someone who's been covering it for 20 years, I'm more cynical about house building than any other subject. Well, I
2: think, you know, Rishi Sinek has put a planning barrister into the House of Lords. A planning barrister into the House of Lords? Who's that? Uh, Charles... Banner, I'm not
8: sure any, any good comes of putting barristers in the House of Lords. Oh, indeed, Eddie
2: <laughs> Old friend of his. <laughs>
3: yeah, they were spotted at the cricket together, That's I think. That's right. We
2: there them. we are. I teed it up, but they completely failed to <laughs> hit the ball, I was pathetic. to the, the foremost political brains in British journalism. You well, completely missed the point. We've Let had me a... lighten the mood <laughs> briefly, though. <laughs> Prince on. Harry has lost his case against yeah. the Home
8: Office. And James Ooh. Hill of The Spectator has done a really fine tweet. He said, "Congratulations to Prince Harry on becoming the only person to ever launch an unsuccessful legal challenge against the Home Office. <laughs> <laughs>
0: very good. That is very good. Very good. Uh, Domain, Domain's been in touch. Dominic.
2: Oh, yes, Dominic, he, so there are, there are core texters to yeah. Times Radio, and they deserve special awards, and they, do they ever sleep? Because oh, I do a, a Friday evening show, Dominic texts me, Yeah. Matt's lunchtime show, when I do Mariella's show, if I stand in, Dominic texts, I mean, they're on it. He's been I like a, Dominic a great deal, but well, he's way. been in Never touch much. about Is this Dominic Grieve or no? Then no, no, he's
0: spelled D O M E N Y K. Yep. and because uh, I asked, do you have a drink when you're doing your show? Yeah. And you said you do occasionally. And he says, "Hello, Matt. It's not whether Ed has a drink when he's doing his show. It's how much we listeners have to drink." <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> so there we are. There, there we go. Nothing like the great Very British good. public. There we are. <laughs> well, that's one of the better ones. Uh, thank you so much, for that Ed. Lovely to see you. Are you, on, you on this week, or are you gallivanting?
2: Uh well I'm on Friday, yeah. Yeah, oh, on she, Friday, you, I'm you asked me what was on it and it went in one ear and one the, out the other. I've got Stella Creasy. <laughs> You've got <laughs> I've got Rocco Forte. And it went in one ear and out the other. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, Ed Mays will be here from
0: seven o'clock tonight. Uh Lars will be in your inbox at three pm. three PM with the Times red box. Uh I don't think Ed'll be sometime. at seven o'clock tonight. Oh, no, seven o'clock you see, he wasn't listening either. He's, He's, already Friday. On He's already on his phone organising lunch.
2: Three Friday days. night, 7pm 7 7 till 10pm, three hours of live radio. I won't live be radio because I'm on stage. Three hours of live radio, the show that Matt Chorley is always rude about because people do report back to me.
8: I
0: don't report. I said it's he the most says chaotic like, yes, show on the radio. Exactly. Well, that's true. <laughs>
8: That's not rude. That's a factual account of what happens. I mean, we're making a decent fist of competing right now, aren't we? That's fine.
0: That's what we've got time for on today's edition of Politics About the Bomb. But Don't forget to get in touch by emailing me matt at times.radio like Richard did. Richard said, I can't understand why so many listeners to the podcast have such a problem with the new photo of Matt. I quite like it. I saw a comment in a recent review on Apple Podcasts where it was likened to Jimmy Savile. Personally, I think it's more Frankie Howard. And which comedian, worth their salt, wouldn't be happy with that comparison? Keep up the good work, Matt, and ignore the naysayers. Quitter ye not. Very good, thank you for that. Richard in Gloucester. Email me Matt at or you can WhatsApp us Oh, Tree But for now for me, Matt Jolly, it's goodbye.